0: You are listening to Whitebird Mutual Aid. I'm Hannah Francis. This episode is part two of a conversation with Ola Torreira Adenogy, a person who works for Lane County Public Health and their new community partnerships program. Last episode, we spoke a little about what public health is, and in this episode, we explore more of what this
1: program does in the community. Our program, Community Partnerships, came from this idea of really trying to evolve the way that public health um, currently is and to really having it be more community focused and community centered and led. Folks living
0: without a house are a section of our community that have been marginalized, currently and historically left out of many conversations. The Community Partnerships Program works to strengthen connections and get a better idea of how to get health needs met for these folks.
1: We're working with the houseless community, um, most specifically as far um, as COVID goes, is really going out to encampments and establishing relationships with Carry it forward and Black Thistle and, um, you know, providing resources and resources uh, whatever type of, um, you know, care we can on the ground. Um, I would like to see, I'm sure there, I would like to see more work done (laughs) and I know that we can do more work. Um, as far as houselessness goes as well. Um, we have a couple of different programs, um you know that can help folks you have a dovetail program which isn't necessarily for houselessness but it's um to connect folks to resources resources that could be experiencing houselessness within the community um but yeah I like I said our EJ team hasn't we haven't hired everyone yet and I don't know what exactly the scope is going to look like um I know that community partnerships program will be working closely with them and so i'm excited to see what that looks like and how we can really start to um add that work in a more meaningful way to the work that we do because yeah we got a we got a severe houseless problem here
0: <laughs> whitebird clinic has worked with the community partnerships program and hopes to further the mission of creating and strengthening connections with those who are in need in our community Throughout the pandemic response, Whitebird Clinic and community partnerships worked together.
1: Uh, early in the response, we did some—we did a meeting about mobile services and um, Whitebird was getting the, the mobile unit and the van. So we were trying really to get a situational understanding of who was doing what work, not trying to step on anyone's toes, but then also be able to pair the services with the community. Right, so um, there was one event that we've we've done several events with Whitebird, but a lot of the time, uh, one of the last ones that comes up to mind is I think that um, Whitebird was serving the 18 and over community, and there were some kiddos that were identified that wanted to be at an event. I think it was being held by Centro, and so we paired with Whitebird and with Centro to be able to provide vaccines for kiddos under 18. So we kind of like have complimented services with them um, as well as also shouting from the rooftops whenever you guys have um, different community events you are going to, or that you were hosting. I know you guys worked well with Burrito Brigade to um, you know pass out food and there was some collaboration with the dental clinic that you guys did. And um, so, yeah, we definitely have collaborated with White Bird. you guys are great partners, and um, we hope to continue to collaborate with you all going forward, too.
0: I'm super stoked to see all this collaboration happening in the community, and also I'm super stoked to see your sort of facilitation of the collaboration, Um, because I think I said it last time, but, like, there's so many good people in Eugene and Mm -hmm. Oregon, too, who are, like, really just trying to help each other out, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard when everyone's so, um, wrapped up in just delivering the direct service. Yeah. Um, uh, and so it's, it's really awesome to see someone facilitating those organizations and the communities themselves. And, um, yeah, thanks for doing the work you do. It, it's incredibly valuable.
1: And I don't need to tell you that, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. It's, I mean, it's exciting. I think I read somewhere that like Eugene Lane County has like the most CBOs per capita in the state. And that's just wild to me because you constantly hear about CBOs and, you know, Portland doing the work with the Pono and Naya. And um, so just to be able to support whatever type of community synergy is here, Um, and to create that, you know, kind of community impact of aligning our services and co-branding with one another. Um, We hope to make a bigger, stronger impact together than all divided, Um, you know, because unfortunately resources can be limited and we can't all do the same thing. Um, So just having the situational awareness of knowing who's doing what, which services are already being provided and how to connect folks to those resources that's just been super powerful. And to watch it in action is really cool of someone being like, hey, we have this program or we have this service. And then three or four other organizations say, oh, we don't do that, but we'd love to. Can we have you come over? And then they plan a thing. And then it's just, it's really amazing. It's really cool.
0: So what does creating these connections in community actually look like? Community partnerships does a lot of things including outreach, community events, promoting other organizations' events, and facilitating meetings and discussions with community.
1: So if you go to the, link, uh, the Lane County Public Health website, uh, there's no longer a banner that says coronavirus, but if you go in into our communicable disease clinic um, web landing page, there is a way for you to schedule um, vaccinations through that if you want to actually come downtown to charnelton that's where our office is located um we also have community events where we can uh, where we collaborate and so that'll look like us showing up to naturally or centro and they are essentially hosting the vaccine clinic um you know gathering we're just there providing the vaccine and the technical assistance and Um, you know, the staff that needs to administer the vaccine. So a lot of those CBO um, clinics are actually kind of fun. Sometimes they have music, sometimes they have food, um, sometimes they have other events going on. The ARC has been doing sensory friendly um, events for kiddos that might have um, developmental disabilities. And so they're seeing a lot of progress with folks where, I mean, sometimes it takes up to an hour to get kiddos and families ready to get vaccinated. And like, that just isn't possible at a drive-thru clinic. Like You have to be on board and ready and kind of understand that there's gonna be a process and you just have to flow through. That doesn't work for everyone. So really impressed with the ARC being able to take this experience that we all have to go through. And they have bouncy houses, they send kids home or they send families home with food. Um, You know, they eat pizza and popcorn, and it's more of like a family wellness event. And yeah, we have COVID vaccines, so it kind of lessens the pressure. So there's different organizations that you can get plugged into if you aren't that are hosting um, vaccination events, like the ARC, I said, Um, Centro hosts events, Nurturely hosts events for baby peds, so if you have kids that are like six months to like four years, that's a good place at their, their boutique that they have downtown. Um You can also go onto our website and we have a list of all the places that our COVID outreach team goes to. Um, we're at Bethesda Church a lot in Eugene. Um, we're at the Springfield and Eugene bus stations. We're also at the library quite frequently. And the schedule is updated and maintained. so you can go there and check out where we're going to be. Um, we're also reestablishing a clinic at the Valley River Center and there will be COVID vaccines there and also flu vaccines. Um, so that'll be nice. And a lot of these places are walk-in, no appointment necessary. Um, you might have to wait a little longer, but, um, you know, they're free. You don't have to have insurance. Nobody's going to ask you for, you know, documentation, which is another barrier that we've discovered and learned from folks that a lot of pharmacies, you know, uh, are asking for insurance information and that could be a barrier to folks. Not everybody has insurance. We know a lot of folks are um, without insurance or underinsured specifically in Latinx BIPOC communities. Uh, we had uh, conversations with folks, um, you know, just worried about being, you know, immigrant status being a problem. And like at our clinics, at all of our Lane County public health clinics, that is not a problem. Your status won't be checked. We won't ask for any of that documentation. So it's a safer place in a lot of people's minds to go get these vaccines because we aren't going to ask those questions and you can get in and get out and have minimal, hopefully, um, you know, information sharing as much as possible. Um, Let's see where else. So we also have um, our CBN newsletter, which we talked about, uh, which goes out every two weeks or so. We're trying to find the right cadence for that, but it has a lot of um, information. So it has all the list of the information of where we're going to be as far as testing and COVID clinics are, and that's on there every episode or every episode every edition so you can look there to find out where we're going to be we also uh in the newsletter we do um a what's new which is kind of like um you know new updates that we're hearing from oha about you know messaging max guidance or what's happening with covid so we give a brief overview then we do a community conversation section which is really kind of coming off of the messaging that we're hearing directly from our Black leaders meeting that happens every other week on Tuesday afternoon. So if you're a Black leader stakeholder in the community pillar of the community are just interested in knowing what you can do to help serve your community as an African-American or Black folk, get a hold of me. Uh, we have a great group of folks that get together on Tuesdays. But um, a lot of that messaging and a lot of that conversation we then take to our internal messaging meeting that happens. And um, we find the answers to the questions. Uh, Like specifically, we've been working with NAACP and they just wanted some messaging that was just supporting the idea that monkeypox wasn't necessarily a disease um, endemic to uh, gay folks. So we were able to just come up with some messaging that had Lane County Public Health, stamp of approval on it that they could just put on their desk so when folks come in, it could be there with all of the other pamphlets and all of the other messaging um, information that they have. So we really cherish those spaces because they're able to allow us to craft messaging that actually um, the community wants and needs. And it um, serves as like a two-way street of us saying like, okay, well, here's the message that's coming now. How does that work for you? If not, what are the questions that you guys really need to know the answer to? Um, and then we also have a section in there called Demystifying Data, which our epidemiologist breaks down um, some very, just some key terms and aspects that are often um, brought up in data to really kind of like help you understand how to access the information and in the dashboards to get the data and to try and familiar, familiarize yourself with it in a way that's not so um, overwhelming data is scary and overwhelming sometimes. So the more that we can kind of familiarize ourselves with it and get to know the language (laughs) that the folks in government are speaking, the better way, uh, you know, a better way for us to be able to um, interact with the information and work off of the data that we find necessary um, to help our communities thrive. Um, So that's the newsletter. And then we also have Two meetings, we have a, a meeting that's held by OHA. And so we have um, our representative, Nina Craig, who's our district super, you know, representative. And it's nice to have her um, have direct messaging from OHA. And also we can ask her questions. So this kind of started out in our COVID response, these meetings of folks getting together to do information sharing resource sharing and to understand what messaging was coming from OHA regarding COVID in order to keep our community safe and not that the pandemic is over in any way, shape or form, but there's just been an overwhelming push to keep these spaces going um, past COVID funding. And so it's been nice to have someone from OHA there, be able to answer fiscal questions, be able to answer our messaging questions, and then be able to find answers to questions that they may not have. Um,
0: so that that wasn't really like a a piece of how all that worked before. Like there, what it seems like there mm-hmm. wasn't as much back and forth before the pandemic.
1: Yeah, no, there wasn't. It was really more of a one-way communication of, like, this mm-hmm. is what's happening. And so that, through that group, it was actually, like, our public information officer that, um, and with the mix of the COVID funding. So there were certain CBOs that were getting wraparound funding through OHA. They had applied for grants. They had been established as community-based organizations that were going to help provide food boxes and wraparound services, right? So from that group, it's just kind of grown exponentially of folks that aren't involved with any wraparound services, don't have the COVID funding or money, but they just wanna know where the resources are. So it's been a nice way to really just keep folks together. And um, I feel like that's how we help with mutual aid is we just you know maintain the spaces for folks to get together, to share the information that's already being done. And it's been really super helpful, like you said, in, in creating a two-way communication and um, helping those messages that we hear from the community really shape and form our messaging that goes out.
0: Wow, that's, that's really awesome. And how can people get involved with that?
1: Um, what are the requirements
0: can- for being a part of that meeting as well?
1: Right on, yeah, so if you are serving a community-based organization um, within Lane County, you are welcome to any of uh, the spaces that I mentioned. Um, I said, there's meetings every other week, one with OHA and then one hosted with Lane County Public Health. The Lane County Public Health meeting seems to be a little bit more populated. Um, The OHA meeting kind of started out, like I said, with folks getting funded and has grown but the LCPH meeting is great because we have different folks like within Lane County Public Health departments come and give short presentations about the services that we offer. So just to kind of familiarize like what's going on in public health. Um, so like I said, if you're serving a CVO, you in Lane County, you can message me and, at my email, and i give that to you, Hannah. Um, it's just my first and last name um but i'll keep it in the notes this is probably hard but olater.enogy at dot energy at lanecounty dot um, um and yeah if you send me an email we can get you onto the invite list and you can start getting the cbo newsletter and you can start coming to our meetings um you no know, fee there's no requirement you just have to want to uh, help your community.
0: I would hope that you have a lot of support in tackling those issues, but I also imagine that um, it's pretty challenging to address them. So so what are the main challenges or obstacles to um, your work that
1: you experience? Mm. Um, I would say that... I'll just say the obvious. Working with a core of folks that are really committed to anti-racist values and anti-racist work um, isn't like the norm, um, especially working within government. So having kind of this transformative, really honestly like abolitionist principled work <laughs> in a space that isn't really like that um it can be interesting it's challenging so like i said i'm very fortunate and glad for our team that we have um because we're authentic um we're curious we're kind we show up to work wholehearted um and even though we're a small team it's nice to be on the same page with everyone and know that our decisions are supported, you know, wholeheartedly by our team members. And we hope that doing the work in a way that is anti-racist and that is abolitionist, hopefully that um, it will become infectious and folks will start to lead from those principles as well. I mean, uh, it's very idealistic in this vision, um, you know, and I don't know that it's going to happen overnight. I don't know that it'll happen in my lifetime. Um, but eventually, I would like to see um, us all working from that same place. And, you know, working in a place in Lane County, um, in Oregon, that was set up as like a white utopic state. Um, you're going to have folks that are not going to understand or appreciate the work you do, especially when it's anti-racist and abolitionist. Thankfully, we have great support from our public health administrator, our leadership. Um, We have great support within our department um, and and cross-departmentally as far as, you know, the support on our language and our mission, vision, and values, and really calling out white supremacy and genocide. And so it's amazing to know that the work we're doing is um, our heart's work, but also to know that it's supported by our colleagues is is nice. Uh, we're still in our infant phages, phases. Like I said, we've just started, you know, a year ago. So there's going to be bumps and bruises, but To know that you know, community partnerships program is also built into the strategic plan for Lane County, and we're also getting funding from Oregon Health Authority through public health modernization. So it feels nice to be able to say, yeah, and we've got the backing (laughs) from the commissioners, and we've got the backing from the state. So hopefully this isn't just something that is like a fly by night situation. And to be honest, I hope that my job and my position in this program becomes obsolete eventually after I've worked, you know, here 20, years. So that like our mission and values become super endemic within public health that we just start to work from this community driven and community led way all the time and not just when we remember to or when we feel like it's convenient. So, um, you know, what's having to say, like being upstream folks and uh, swimming against, you know, the current and uh, in new ways of ideology and anti-racism is difficult, but it's not unnavigable. And uh, yeah, this is precious work and I'm excited about it. Mm.
0: Thanks to Ola Torera Adeniji for participating in this episode and for her important work with our community. If you have any questions or comments, please email me at whitebirdmutualaid at gmail.com or reach out to me through Buzzsprout. Thanks for listening to Whitebird Mutual Aid. I'm Hannah Francis.